Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast, where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So, it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom. In today's lesson, we're going to be learning about personal locator beacons. It's something we all hope we'll never have to use, but unfortunately, I do know a few people who have had to use theirs. But what actually is the difference between a personal locator beacon and an EPIRB, and even those spot trackers that some people have? Which one should you have, and how do they actually work? So, today I'm going to be speaking with Tony Crook from GME. Since 1959, GME has been an Australian-owned family company and remains the only Australian manufacturer of UHF CB radios, with their products designed, engineered and manufactured in Sydney's northwest. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. What is the difference between a personal locator beacon and an EPIRB? And what does an EPIRB even stand for? Okay, so the two different types of emergency beacon generally available are PLBs or personal locator beacons and EPIRBs. EPIRB stands for Emergency Position Indicating Radio Beacon. Effectively, both devices do the same thing. So they're an emergency beacon that transmit a signal on the 406 megahertz band, which is a global satellite system. Now, the main difference is a PLB is intended for use by an individual, whereas an EPIRB is generally linked to a marine vessel. So PLBs are of different mechanical differences in the way that they're constructed, and they also have to meet different standards. So a PLB must transmit for 24 hours continuously once activated, and it must float, but it doesn't have to float upright. Now, that's a very important point because if the beacon is not floating upright and the antenna is in the water, for instance, or is horizontal, it's not going to transmit as efficiently as if the antenna was vertical and would have a clear communication link with a satellite. An EPIRB 
needs to transmit for 48 hours continuously once activated. It also must float, but it must float upright. So you can see that the differences there, PLBs, generally speaking, are used in terrestrial or land applications and EPIRBs are used in marine applications exclusively. Okay, so in my previous job in our work vehicle, we had a, a PLB and we also had a spot tracker though. And so the spot tracker, um, we could send messages to people, but we could also sort of send emergency messages. What's the difference between a PLB and a spot tracker? Are they, are they the same or are they different? Is a, is a spot tracker a kind of PLB? So look, at, at their core level, all of these devices work on a form of satellite communication, but the standards that they must meet differ. So a PLB and an EPIRB to be approved for sale must meet what is called the COSPAS SARSAT standard. Now, that's an international not-for-profit system. It's government subsidised, and there's a huge network of satellites covering the globe that these beacons transmit on. A spot tracker or some of the other satellite communication devices from other brands work on private satellite systems. So in the case of SPOT, it works on what's called the Iridium satellite system. Now, these are privately owned and they are for profit, and there's a subscription service that you pay to use them. So once you purchase your SPOT tracker, you obviously pay your initial purchase price, and then you pay an ongoing subscription fee to use their private satellite system. Whereas a PLB or an EPIRB, which are the types of devices that GME makes, it's a one-off purchase price. In the case of uh, PLB, our current PLB model has a seven-year battery life. Our EPIRBs range in battery life from six years to 10 years. So after your initial purchase price, you've got up to 10 years of use of the product. And again, hopefully you never have to use it, but there's no ongoing subscription fees. Where the advantage is with a spot tracker is if it's not an emergency and you just want to check in with people and let them know that you're okay. And that's where you can send those short messages over the spot tracker via the satellite system and let people know that you're all right. Okay. So if I have a spot tracker and a personal like locator beacon and I find myself in a <laughs> dad joke in a spot of trouble, um, I didn't <laughs> even plan that one. Well, how's that? <laughs> if I set off the emergency, like the SOS on both of these um, devices, what's the difference with where these messages are going then? So with a spot tracker, there's a um, coordination centre based in the United States, which is privately staffed, and the signal will be received by the satellite, go to that coordination centre, and then they will make contact with the emergency services in the relevant area. With a PLB or an EPIRB, as I mentioned earlier, these devices are linked to an international system called COSPAS SARSAT, and the way that works is the signal goes up to the satellite, and then comes back down to Earth to what's called a LUT, which is a local user terminal, basically a satellite on the ground that receives the signal. From there, the signal will go to a mission control centre, which is then transmitted to the rescue coordination centre. So in Australia, that's all managed out of Canberra. From there, they will confirm that the signal is real. If the beacon is registered, which it should be, they will make contact with the emergency contacts listed when you register your beacon and confirm that you are in fact out and about and the, the general area that they've received the signal for. And assuming they get confirmation that, you know, it is a real distress, they will then make contact with the nearest emergency service to you. Now that could be anyone from the police to the SES, the flying doctor service, 
the military. It just depends who's closest. And in Australia, that system is managed by AMSA, which is the Australian Maritime Safety Authority. Now, despite being maritime safety, they do coordinate rescues both for land and sea in Australia. And they also have their own fleet of aircraft with both aeroplanes and helicopters. And invariably, they will be able to coordinate a rescue response themselves using their own rescue assets. So what that all means is when you set a beacon off on the COSPAS SARSAT system, you are going to get the fastest possible rescue response which in a situation of grave and imminent danger, sometimes minutes and seconds can make all the difference between a disaster and a positive outcome. Okay. So essentially spot trackers can be pretty handy, but when it comes to the emergencies, like you're better off, well, I personally, um, that my understanding is that you'd be better off to have your PLB as well as a spot tracker. And when, when things get not so great that's when you set off your plb and your spot trackers just for that you know just checking in just letting you know i'm here that kind of stuff i wouldn't really you're going to get a faster response from a plb in a natural emergency that's correct and look there's a really important point that you've just raised there and that is that if you are going to a particularly remote or dangerous area we always recommend not relying on any one singular device so always have a backup have an alternate means of means of communication just for that peace of mind and a little bit of insurance that if something goes wrong, you'll be able to get help. Actually, as somebody who has run the battery on her spot tracker flat, I can second that. It is handy to always have spare batteries and spare devices. For sure. So what is the difference between a non-GPS equipped and a GPS equipped emergency beacon? So that comes down to how fast the signal is received and how accurate the position of that transmission is. So a non-GPS beacon will take up to four hours to get a location fix and the location accuracy will be within a couple of kilometres. With a GPS-equipped beacon, the signal and the location is generally received by the authorities within 15 minutes and the search radius will be down to 150 metres or less. So a GPS beacon, whilst it is a little bit more expensive because of the additional technology, will get you found a lot faster and a lot more in a lot more accurate fashion. Absolutely. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. So is there any maintenance required on these beacons? Um, How often should you test them? And when you said the batteries can last anywhere from, say, six to ten years, where do you actually go? I'm sure you don't pop down to Woolies to buy a replacement battery. Where do you go to replace the batteries? Okay, so in terms of maintenance, there is no real maintenance required for the beacons, but a really important point to note, and it's, you know, Something that a lot of people overlook is that vehicles in Australia in particular can get extremely hot inside in summer. So don't leave your PLB on the dashboard of your four-wheel drive or your vehicle out in the sun. Try and keep it cool, keep it out of the sun because extreme heat can affect these beacons like all electronic products. So in regard to testing your beacon, there's a couple of different tests that can be performed. Now, one of them is a general self-test And we recommend performing that before you go to a particularly remote area or on a big trip somewhere or no more than once a month. Now, that self-test, it's a very simple procedure. Generally, there's a self-test button on the beacon and that will just confirm that the battery is working and that all the circuitry is is, uh, up to scratch and that will give you some visual and audio indication that the beacon's working. So generally, a flashing LED light and a sequence of beeps. 
For a GPS beacon, there's what's called a GPS acquisition test. Now, this is a little bit more involved and the beacon needs to be outside and it will actually send a test burst to the GPS satellite system. It'll take a couple of minutes usually to lock on and then it will provide, once again, positive confirmation that you've received the signal. Now, it's very important to note that the GPS acquisition test should not be conducted more than once a year because it does use up your battery life. So as we mentioned earlier, you've got to ensure that in an emergency situation, the beacon is going to continue to transmit for the required period of time. So you shouldn't over-test the beacon because that may impact you if you ever need to use it. In regard to your last question about battery replacement, that's really important. In order for the beacon to be approved, it must go through a very stringent test regime with the COSPAS SARSAT organisation. And a big part of that is authorised battery usage and replacement. So our beacons are approved based on the use of a certain type of battery cell. Now, some people, and on the internet, it's pretty easy to find a number of people saying how easy it is to go and buy some batteries off the internet and, uh, and change the batteries in their beacon themselves. You need to be aware that that then renders your beacon non-compliant. And if you're doing unauthorized battery replacements on behalf of somebody else and that something goes wrong in an emergency, you could be legally liable. So in Australia, the only place that you can get an authorized battery replacement done on a GME beacon is right here at the GME head office in Sydney. So we've got a refurbishment program in place. There's plenty of details around that on the beacon information section of our website. Brilliant. And I think, yeah, for something that is going to be only ever used in very important situations, this is not the time to be cheap and try and, you know, DIY. Um, I think this is one of the very few times where you've just got to go and do things properly. Um, It's really not worth the risk, yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. And so let's say we make it through the year, um, whether on a cattle station or a full driving or whatever, we've made it through the year without ever having to use our PLB. So to reward ourselves, we go on a holiday. We might be going to Bali, we might be going to America, wherever we're going. Should we be packing our PLB in our suitcase and taking it with us? Does it work anywhere or is this like an Australia thing? No, they, they are a global product. So because of the COSPAS SARSAT system and the way it's set up and being a global satellite system, PLBs will work anywhere in the world. You need to be careful though because some countries have different legislation around the usage. So for example... Uh, Some countries like China won't allow you to use a GPS PLB anywhere on the continent. So it pays to check with the government or, you know, on the internet based on the country that you're traveling to just to make sure that it's legal to use the product. But functionality wise, they will work anywhere on the planet. Okay. And so it's all well and good that we've had this chat about PLBs, but I can imagine a few people saying, well, yeah, I guess if we ever come into that kind of trouble, it would be handy to have, but, you know, probably never going to happen. How often do people actually use their PLB? Because I do remember seeing a few things on Facebook, on the GME Facebook page where people have used them. Um, do you find that people actually do use them? Look, it's, it's a very interesting question, and it's one of those things that I think comes back to a little bit of the Australian attitude to life with the whole she'll be right, mate, attitude. We all think that everything's sweet and nothing's ever going to go wrong. But unfortunately, things do go wrong and usually at the time that you least expect it. So on average, we get about one rescue per day 
attributed to a GME beacon in Australia. So that's a significant number. And you can check out just how often these rescues occur and also the different areas that rescues occur on our website. So on gme.net.au, if you look for the beacon information section, we've actually got an interactive map of Australia showing all of the rescues that have occurred all around Australia in the last couple of years using GME beacons. And it gives you a really good indication of just how frequently these beacons are used to save people's lives. So you've got that map on your website of of when these uh, PLBs have been used in the last couple of years in Australia. Are there any that any stories that come to mind? Yeah, look, we've we, we get some really uh, interesting rescues occurring all the time, and you know the the great news for us and something that really gives us a a great deal of I guess satisfaction and pride is when people are successfully rescued as a result of using our beacons. Um, Back in, back in May 2018, um, someone was in a Robinson helicopter out at Mount Isa Way and uh, unfortunately the helicopter crashed and they were able to set off the GME PLB and, uh, and the local police were, were able to locate them and come out and save their life, which was great. And another interesting one, which I was personally um, had some exposure to, was, was an Australian gentleman hiking in the French Pyrenees Mountains uh, about 18 months ago. And he happened to be walking past some fairly seriously horned cattle. And one of them decided that uh, they didn't like him very much and had a go at him and put its horn through his femoral artery in his leg. He set off his PLB and was able to get rescued by a chopper up in the Pyrenees and, and rushed to hospital where they had emergency surgery to stop the bleeding. And he actually came into the GME office when he returned to Australia and we replaced his beacon for free got a couple of photos with him and he showed off his scar and uh, you'll be able to find that on our website too. So a really good story about how quickly things can go wrong and, uh, you know, really the importance of carrying a PLB. I think once we're all allowed to travel again post-COVID, I'll certainly be taking a PLB on my next overseas trip. I'm kind of just thinking about how I've never done it before and I guess I'm lucky nothing's ever happened. But yeah, definitely something to add in the suitcase along with everything else. Most definitely. And just one other point on that. Uh, I personally do quite a lot of four-wheel driving in remote areas. I have a PLB that lives in my car. But the most important thing is that the people that you're travelling with, one, know that it's there, and two, know how to activate it in the event of an emergency. So my fiance, who I travel with all the time, she knows exactly where the PLB is. She knows how to set it off. And it just gives you that extra level of insurance and I guess peace of mind that if something goes wrong, that the people that you're with will know that the beacon's there and how to use it. Absolutely. That is a really good point because, again, yeah, what's the point of having it there if you've something's happened to you and nobody else knows how to use it? Same with the first aid kit, um, essentially. So thank you so much for your time on this today. If people want to find out a bit more about PLBs and EPIRBs and, you know, what, what one they should get and just get some more information, where should they go? Uh, so our website is always the best uh, place to go to check it out. So that's www.gme.net.au. And then if you navigate through to the emergency beacons section, there's a big banner on the front page of the website that says emergency beacons. Click on that. It'll give you all the information about how the system works, the different models available. And you'll also be able to check out that rescue map and see all the weird and wonderful places that people get into strife. Brilliant. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Stephanie. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.